This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. She had access to wealth like few people who've ever lived. She got her first Chanel bag when she was only 10 years old. She wore the nicest clothes. She attended the best schools. She rode in the most expensive cars. Her childhood friends were Nikki and Paris Hilton. Her father is billionaire Woody Johnson, who owned the New York Jets. A lot of money, no football knowledge. Her great-great-grandfather was the founder and the owner of Johnson & Johnson. And Casey Johnson could have walked through doors of opportunity that most of us could only dream about. But at 30 years old, she was found dead in a low-rent, low-income home in disgusting conditions. And we hear stories like that and we think about how tragic it is. How much more could her life have been? Or, or maybe the story of a company that would change the world that began in a garage in 1976. And you may know that Steve Jobs and Steve Wanzek began Apple. But what you may not know is there was a third partner, a third owner, Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne was actually the partner that wrote the manual for Apple One. Ronald Wayne was actually the partner and owner that drew the first Apple logo. Two weeks after founding Apple, he sold his Apple stock for $800. Today, had he kept it, it would be worth more than $55 billion. <laughs> How much more? And we're familiar with stories. We all know people who've seemingly missed what could have been. The couple who has everything going for them, good jobs, nice house, great vacations, and yet they just can't seem to make the marriage work. Or the athlete that's gifted beyond all of his peers, but has no desire to play. We all know the stories and sometimes we ponder and we think, man, if, if I were Casey Johnson and had access to that kind of wealth, or if I'd been one of the founders of Apple and we, we think about what we would do in, in these unbelievable scenarios and, and our thoughts sort of center around how much more could it have been? But I need to ask you a question. And this is a question I want to encourage you to have the courage to honestly process and answer. You, you owe it to yourself to consider this question. Will you stand before God one day and find the story of your life different but just as tragic? When you look back from eternity, will the thought be, how much more? How much more connected I could have lived with my family? How much more I could have fulfilled the purpose for which God created me? How much more I could have loved people and how better I could have done that? How, how much more? Will, will you look back when you stepped into the next life and recognize what you missed in this life? 
You've done the basics. If you're a follower of Jesus, you may believe the essentials. You pray and you're here and you have a Bible or you at least know how to find it on your phone. You would say that you love God, but how do you love God? You would say that you pray, but why? Because honestly, so often you don't feel like anyone's listening. You would say that you believe the Bible is the word of God. So what? How's it practically helping you throughout the week? See, there's something taking place in our culture, and if you're here this morning and you're not a Christ follower, you, you already are aware and you already kind of know the truth of what I'm about to say. See, often people that are not Christ followers look at those of us that are Christ followers and they see what we ignore. The reality is we have a spiritual problem in our culture where many of us say we believe in Jesus while we live like he's dead. You can't live a great life following a dead Jesus. Now, I know he's not dead, and you know he's not dead. We at least know that's what we're supposed to say. That's the party line in church we're supposed to say, Jesus isn't dead. But, but if we do believe that, why do we so often live like he is dead? Why do our lives so often as followers of Jesus look exactly like the lives of people who don't follow Jesus? Why are our marriages crumbling? Why is our parent parenting not effective? Why are we just as stressed financially? Why do we have as much relational conflict as people who don't follow Jesus? What is it? Because we read the words of Jesus in the Bible, and he says, I came to give you the abundant life. I came to give you life to the full. But how many Christ followers do you know living an abundant life? So we say we believe in Jesus. But what difference does it make? I mean, is believing in Jesus, is it just a difference in that when this life is over, I get heaven instead of the other place, and I'm not even really sure exactly what I believe all, about all that, but I'm just kind of doing it as insurance to make sure I'm covered in case it works out like God says it does? For the next few moments, it might feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And that's because I will be. In several different ways, in as many different flavors and colors as I can, I'm going to communicate something as we move into the, the rest of Romans chapter 5. And if you're a guest this morning, you've not been coming to C3, we're rolling through the book of Romans. And part of the reason we're doing this is Romans does as good as any other book in the Bible of showing us who God is and who we are and what we need to do about it. And I think it's important for us to know what the Word of God teaches, and here's why. We know what we believe, but we've got to know why we believe it. Because when life goes wheels off and crisis hits, it's not enough to know what you believe. We've got to know why we believe what we believe. And so we're walking through the book of Romans, and, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the church at Rome, for the next seven verses, he's, he's going to say what he could have said in one verse. 
It's going to feel a little bit like Dr. Seuss rolling through the verses and, and how it's written. Remember, Paul is a complicated thinker, and it's going to feel kind of like that. A, a lawyer wrote this. This is a legal document, and I'm, I'm about to sign the mortgage papers, and I'm supposed to read all this, but yeah, whatever. I, I, I don't get it. And it's going to feel more complicated than the reality of what it is. But it's important because... The reason I want to come from different perspectives and, and perhaps the reason Paul took seven verses to say what he could have said in one is because for some of you, your belief is real, but your faith is dead. It doesn't translate to real life. It doesn't translate or have any traction in your problems. And you're trying and you, you believe all the right stuff, and you want to believe the right stuff, but you're just not seeing the connection with how it relates to your life. But if you can get this, what we're going to talk about for the next few moments, your faith will come to life and be more alive than it's ever been. If someone were to ask you, how do you know? How do you know that you're a Christ follower? You might answer, and one of the most common answers would be, Jesus died for me. You think that you're saved because Jesus died for you. And maybe that's your problem. You're following a dead Jesus. If you think you're saved because Jesus died on the cross for you, how much more is your salvation going to work in your life because he rose again for you? It's not minimizing the death of Jesus. It's just that there's so much more to, to the spiritual life than that. that. That's the starting point. But a lot of people step over the line of faith and say, okay, I invited Jesus into my life because he died for me. And your spiritual growth stops there. Nothing's happening after that. If you were brought to God through the death of his son, how much more are you being saved through the life of his son? Years ago, I used to travel. I used to travel and speak in churches all over the United States, and I went to other countries, and I, I was gone about 42 weeks a year when the kids were little. And I'll never forget, we were living in North Carolina on one occasion, and I came home from a trip, and before that trip, we had bought, Kaylee and Ashley, our daughters, we had bought them guinea pigs because we wanted to know how much can a house stink. I mean, like... Those things, that's, they smell nasty. We bought those things, and they had the little uh, containers that they were in. And I got home from this trip, and Ashley met me at the door, and she walked me to the back porch, and there was a shoebox, and she handed me this shoebox, and inside it was her guinea pig dead. And I, I don't remember her exact words. I will never forget the way she looked at me. And she said something like, Dad, can you fix this? You know, there are those moments as a parent you feel so helpless. And I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't breathe life back into that thing. I couldn't go put it back in the house in its little container and let it run on the little treadmill thing. that they. I, I couldn't do anything. You can't do anything with a dead guinea pig. Now, here's the thing we need to understand. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can worship a dead Jesus. You can give thanks to a dead Jesus. You can pray to a dead Jesus, but you'll never get life out of a dead Jesus. You believe Jesus died for you, but it's embracing that he rose again that breathes life into your faith. 
How much more are you supposed to get out of being a follower of Jesus than what you're living? How much more is your marriage supposed to benefit because you're a Christ follower than what you're living right now? How much more is your, your parenting, your friendships, your Tuesdays, your, your feelings supposed to get out of you being a follower of Jesus than what you're experiencing right now? Why, how are you a Christ follower? Because Jesus died for me. Is that it? I mean, that's huge. Nothing happens without that. I'm not minimizing that. But that was never intended to be a stopping point for us spiritually. How could, how could one man do something 2,000 years ago that could really benefit us that much? And Paul's going to roll through these seven verses that could have been one to drive home the point that, that you and I need to get because one man a couple thousand years ago did something that provided a solution for us in life because one man thousands of years before that blew it all for us. Adam brought us sin. We are all descendants of Adam. And Jesus brought us the cure for that sin. So Romans chapter 5 Verse 12, Let, let's, let's just kind of plow through this. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, because of Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and the first part of chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners, so also the obedience of one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespasses might increase. The word of God reveals how bad you and I really are, how messed up we really are, how much sin there really is in our lives. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What? Like somewhere in all of that, you checked out. Let's be honest, it's church. Like you're thinking it, you're already going to get charged for it anyway. God knows. I mean, it's like, what? It's very, very simple. Paul is coming from all these different directions to really try to communicate a simple thought. Sin came in the world through one man's disobedience and salvation came into the world through one man's obedience. And if your faith is based on Jesus dying on the cross, how much more how much more are you supposed to get out of your salvation once you understand he lives for you? Jesus 
gave his life for me, to take my life from me so he could live his life through me. Jesus gave his life for me to take my life from me so he could live his life through me. Jesus gave his life for me. Got it. Got it. Jesus died on a cross. Got it. Well, he also was resurrected for me. John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to some of his closest followers, and he paints a picture of what this actually means because so many people that are Christ followers live an anemic spirituality where, where they, they believe in a Jesus who was crucified for him and died, but the resurrection doesn't really have much connection with their lives. And so Jesus said, hey, it, it's like this. There's a garden, and God the Father is the gardener, and I'm the vine, and you're the branches. And as long as you remain in me, in fact, this thought is so profound that Jesus says 11 times in just a few verses, remain in me. Make sure if you're a follower of Jesus, you remain in me. Because if you don't, you, you can't live this life. That's why you try harder, but you still screw up. That's why you want to be kind to unkind people, but you still blow it. That's why you forgive, and then you have to forgive again and again and again, because it all comes back so often. That's why you know you're supposed to be nice to people, and then you get on I-4. And you have a concealed carry permit, but you don't bring it in the car because you're going to be on I-4, and you would probably use it. Like, as a follower of Jesus, listen, it's not a secret. We know how we're supposed to live, but we also know impossible we can't do it. And often we get stuck right there and miss how much more is available. And so Jesus says, remain in me. You, you've got to be connected. 11 times, remain in me. You've got to remain in me. Be sure you remain in me. Stay connected with me by remaining in me. You're not going to make it if you don't remain in me. You've got to remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. Be sure you remain in me and don't forget to remain in me. Because if you don't, see, if you remain in me on your branch, beautiful things grow. But if you're disconnected from me, your branch dies. You, you've got to stay connected. You, you can't live this life unless you're in a connected relationship with Jesus. So how, how do you remain in him? How, how do you experience more than just the crucifixion and death of Jesus, which gives me my salvation? How, how do I experience a more reality of, of the empty tomb and the resurrection and what it provides for my life? How, how, do, I, how do I get that? How do you remain in Jesus how do you remain in a marriage? How do you remain in your family? How do you remain with your close friends? There is a, a, an ongoing connection that you cultivate and you develop. There's a communication where we hear from God through reading his word a little bit each day. And, and we talk to God through prayer and we cultivate that relationship and we remain in him. And over time, you think about it, a tree when it grows, it doesn't just shoot out a branch like boom, eight foot long branch. It takes time. Growth takes time. It's like you go to the gym and you come home from the gym and you look in the mirror. Nobody goes to the gym, works out one time and comes home and goes, dang, I look good. Like, that doesn't happen. You're like, I, I feel like I wasted my time. 
Often progress will feel like you're wasting your time. Often growth will feel like nothing is happening. But when you stay consistent, the biblical pattern for success has always been consistency. When you stay consistent in six months, you won't be the only one thinking you look good. She'll think you look good too. You've got to be consistent so you remain in him. See, Jesus' death, it changes where I'm going. Jesus' life changes who I am. Jesus' death allowed me to become a Christ follower. Jesus' resurrection allows me to be the Christ follower I've become. Jesus' death got me out of hell and into heaven. Jesus' life gets God out of heaven and into me. Jesus' death forgave my sin. Jesus' life gives me power over sin. Because when I live my life from perspective of not just Jesus died for me, but Jesus rose again for me, when I live my life from that perspective, I live in the reality that the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside me. And the God that lives inside me is bigger than any challenge I'll face. The God that lives inside me has more answers than I have questions. The God that lives inside me is able to provide a peace that passes all understanding. It's the God that lives inside me, the Spirit of God living in me. It's that voice that says, you need to apologize. Because in and of ourselves, we don't apologize to anybody. It's that voice that says, don't click on that, don't watch that, don't say that. We don't naturally think those things ourselves. It's the Spirit of God in our lives trying to provide us a level of life. How much more are you missing if you're coasting on the death of a Savior and not taking advantage of a resurrected Jesus who lives inside you and says, you've got to remain in me and you can't do it apart from me and I'll live this life through you. Remember back in third grade, the kid in class that wouldn't shut up? And some of you, some of you are like, no, we didn't have anybody like that. It's probably you. It's probably you. Just imagine you're in third grade and you're sitting, you're sitting in the desk, we'll call him Rodney. You're sitting in the desk behind Rodney and he won't shut up. He talks all the time. And it's, it's a Wednesday and Rodney turns around and says to you, I'm going to Disney World tomorrow. And you're like, shut up. No, you're not. You have school tomorrow. It's Thursday. And he's like, no, seriously, I'm going to Disney World. And he keeps talking because he's always talking. And you think he's just talking because he's always talking. And then Thursday you go to school and it takes 30 or 45 minutes before it hits your mind. Rodney's not here. Maybe... Maybe his parents pull it. Is Rodney at Disney World? And then you know Friday. You get to school Friday and you see him. He's walking. He's got the hat with the ears. He's got the smile on his face. Rodney went to the Magic Kingdom. And he sits down in that desk in front of you and he turns around and he does what he does every day. He turns around and he says to you, oh, we went, we went to the Magic Kingdom yesterday and it was, it was awesome. We got there and the parking lot was so nice and clean. And we got on this little thing and and rode up so we didn't have to walk because my parents don't walk like more than 15 feet. It constitutes exercise. They don't walk. And so we rode this thing up there. And then we got there and we we got our tickets. And we got on a ferry and we rode across. Cool ride. And and then we got to where you check in and we we, we put our card against this machine and put our little finger in a slot. And it all turned. It glowed green. And boom, we're in. We're in the magic kingdom. 
And, and as we were walking in, there's this big wall we wanted to take a picture in front of. And there's, there's a tunnel over here that goes through. And there's a tunnel over here that goes through. And, and we took our picture at the big wall. And then we, we brought a blanket. So we just kind of put the blanket on the floor, on the ground, and we had a picnic. And, and we, heard, we heard off in the distance some bands playing. And we noticed people walking through these tunnels and they were, they were carrying all kind of paraphernalia. It was obvious they, they had access to stuff and they'd gotten stuff that we didn't have and, and we watched them walk by. We, we could smell off in the distance kind of some popcorn and some, some, they called them turkey legs, but that's another animal. I don't know what it is. And then at the end of the day, they said we're closing the park and we got up and we got our blanket and we left and we went home. It was, it was awesome. Some of you are satisfied with the fact that you got in the kingdom, but you put your blanket down and you've sat down and you've missed the entire experience. And you hear about what other people experience and you see what God's doing in some other people's lives and you know there's something more, but this is all. You just, you got in the kingdom and that's it. Imagine if we're sitting there on that blanket, you and I, and, and, and we're hearing all this stuff in the distance, and we know there are other things to experience, but we're just, we, we, we're in the kingdom. The, the green light glowed, boom, we're in. Imagine if Walt Disney walked up and said, hey, can I show you around? I created this whole thing. Take my hand. Don't, don't you think if you're touring the Magic Kingdom with Walt, don't you think you get through some doors that other people don't go through? Don't you think you see some things that other people have never seen or heard of? Hey, you and I have a God that has invited us to call him Father. And he says, I don't want you just to take my hand. I'm going to live it inside you. And you follow me through the park, and I'm going to show you things that most people never get to experience. I'm going to blow your mind with what life can be. How much more is there to life than what you're living as a follower of Jesus? Don't be satisfied with just, boom, I'm in. I prayed a prayer and I asked Jesus to come into my life and I'm in the kingdom. You can, you can be in the kingdom but miss the life. You can be in the kingdom but miss the adventure. Don't settle for I'm in, so I think when this life is over, I'm probably going to heaven. I think everything's good. How much more? Could you experience as an individual? How much more could you experience as a couple? How much more could your family experience? How much more could your parenting benefit and be an asset to your kids? How much more could your future be brighter? How much are you missing because you're in the kingdom but you've gone no further? He says, remain in me. So maybe this week, every day you want to read John chapter 15. I don't know where that is. Google it. Or get your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament. In the front of a Bible, there's a page that gives you the page number of every book. Look for Gospel of John. There's some other Johns in there. Look for Gospel of John right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 15. Maybe every day this week you want to read John 15 where Jesus says, remain in me. And before you read it, say, God, please speak to me with your word. And Jesus, you're inside me. I, I, I want you to live through me. I invited you to come into my life to forgive my sin. But how much more? When you live your life through me, how much more do I realize my purpose? How much more am I able to be the, the person that I'd love to be, but I've kind of given up hope on being that person? How much more? How much more is available to you 
that you haven't even experienced yet. Don't be satisfied with the one picture in the blanket. There's so much more. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you that you did everything possible for us to not only know you in a personal way, but to live an abundant life, a full life with you living it through us. I pray for every person in this room, God, that's a follower of Jesus, that this week we would think about what it looks like to remain in you, that we would think about what you offer us, the reality of you gave your life for us, and you live your life for us and want to live it through us. Help us begin to live in the reality of enjoying everything that's available in the kingdom and actually living our purpose. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here and you've not taken that first step of faith. You've never invited Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sin, and I cannot think of a better day than today to do that. If you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life, Just pray this simple prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of the moment. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus knows even our thoughts. So if you'd like to invite Jesus to come into your life, forgive your sin, and give you his spirit to live inside you, to help you live your purpose, to connect you where you can remain in him and you can live this life, the life he created you to live. Just pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin and help me to live for you. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today at C3 Church. And if you just prayed that prayer with me, I'd love to know that. I want to invite you just to shoot me a text. Just put your first name. You can send it to 407 487-8311. I'd love to get that so I could be praying for you by name today and throughout the week. And if you're in Central Florida, hey, join us next Sunday. We would love to see you here. Have an amazing week. God bless you.